Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. I want to read from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed, as we've said before. So now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this Sunday, we're starting this new look at the book of Galatians. For the next several weeks, we'll be walking through this letter that Paul is writing to these churches in what is now like modern-day Turkey. And I invite you to engage with this book over the time. We'll talk about ways to do that. It is an interesting little letter. It's a powerful letter. The, the Apostle Paul is writing to these churches that he loved, and he spent a lot of time working with. This area of the Roman Empire was strong. It had a strong hold on trade and culture. It was an especially strong place for folks in the Roman military and these communities of early Christians have emerged all across the empire, including in Galatia. And some of them have Jewish backgrounds. They've been spread across the empire. And others are Gentile believers. As you can tell, this letter begins with some intensity that will carry throughout the letter. Paul is a little bit annoyed and stressed out. Normally, he spends quite a bit of time singing the praises of his audience, here, he gets pretty quick to saying, I'm astonished. <laughs> if Paul was writing today in our world, I don't know, he might begin with something like, we need to talk, Galatians. And if you've ever heard, we need to talk, you might be like, oh no. <laughs> Galatians uh, was the favorite letter of reformer Martin Luther during that Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. He saw around him the church teaching that before people could go to be with the Lord in heaven, they might need to spend some time in purgatory. This idea that there would have to be some kind of extra punishment that they would have to deal with to clean themselves up before they could be before 
the Lord. Oh, and by the way, the church institution said, well, and if you would like, you can give X amount of money, and then that sentence can be shortened. Doesn't that work out? It's a great way to build cathedrals. Luther rightly pushed back against this teaching, and he used Galatians as a way to do that, to say, no, no, we are rescued by Christ and Christ's grace. Christ's sacrifice makes us right with God. There is nothing extra we have to do. Nothing extra that we need to enter into God's presence, God's eternity. No fees we must pay. As the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. But since the 1500s, we still tend to look at Galatians with that lens of Luther and think this is mostly a letter about how to get to heaven. Paul actually never mentions the word heaven at all in Galatians. Eternal life with God is very much part of the story of Jesus and our future. But we can take that idea of just being worried about floating off to heaven someday and then put it onto everything all the time. But, but see, see, the Bible is not really about how to get to heaven. The Bible is this story of how God actually comes to us. All the way through, God is reaching out to humanity, sort of like, you know, that famous painting, the Sistine Chapel, God reaching, and there's Adam kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, and God reaches. God is reaching out, revealing God's self to humanity through the story of Israel, through the act of exodus and freeing people, promises made to people like Abraham. God reveals God's self, moves towards humanity, and the prophets declare his work and his call in our lives. One prophet, Isaiah, said God would start a new age someday. A new king would come, a messiah who would rule and reign forever and in Jesus. We see most clearly the story of God coming to us. Jesus comes as Messiah and King, and though killed by the Roman Empire, he gets back up, conquers sin and death, and then sends forth the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week, Pentecost so that we, God's people, might be marked as his people, empowered as his people to be his citizens in his future right now. God comes to us. So when Paul is writing to the Galatians, he is arguing about what they imagine that new age to look like. See, his audience expects God to come to us. Some of the religious leaders leading these groups who would have spoken against Paul to these early Christians. They believed that yes, God would come as a king, but they were very concerned with how that might happen. And they believed that the key to get God to come establish a new age, a new kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, was to follow the law just right. To prove yourself worthy, steer clear of anyone who doesn't. The belief was that those who may be worshiping idols, that could be contagious, so don't get close. It's this ancient ethos which continues to bubble up even with Christians today. You know, Christians who say things 
uh, like this. Don't drink or smoke or chew or hang out with those who do. Have you heard this expression? I, I had not until I went to the South, and then I heard it a lot. Uh, this idea that really if we want to see and be a part of God's kingdom, we have to convince God that we're good enough. Follow all the markers. Make sure everybody thinks, yes, yes, that checks out. So Paul's frustrated with the Galatians. He's saying to them, no, 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 we are not waiting for a Messiah to come and a new kingdom to show up. Eventually, the Messiah has already come. And though he was killed by Rome, he is alive, not to be a king of a temporary kingdom, but a king for all time that would defeat not just powers, but death and sin forever, that this king is on the throne now and we get to live like it. These other teachers have come to Galatia. And they say, if you don't act according to all the right cultural markers of Israel, then you're not part of the family. You're not welcome. Don't eat with people who don't fit all those categories. Don't eat with people who haven't done all the things and done all the rituals. We must act perfectly so God might come. Paul wants them to know that God already has arrived in Jesus. God's people are not marked as God's people by rituals or what they eat or who they eat with. No, they're marked by the very Spirit of God. And they're all welcome to the family. The new age has begun. We don't have to live in the old age. As Paul says in Galatians 1, 3 through 5, Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself over for our sins to set us free from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are free from the present age. Reality has changed. Do any of you recognize this picture I'm going to put up here? Um, this is uh, a Block member membership card. Do you remember this? Any of you have a Blockbuster membership card? You can get one of these on eBay for like 16 bucks. So I hope that you saved yours because that's, uh, that's, that's impressive right there. That's... Back in uh, the old days, if you wanted to watch a movie, you could go to a place called Blockbuster, and there you would see all a variety of, of physical copies of these movies. And if you had one of these cards, you could borrow the movie, take it home, and then return it. In the earlier, earlier days, you even had to rewind it, right? There were little stickers. When I was in high school, one of our favorite places to hang out was the movie rental place. We would just go and meander through the aisles and talk about all the different movies and what we liked about them and what we didn't like and imagine what we might watch together. This card, um, it's, not, it's not as useful anymore, is it? As the internet changed and internet speeds increased, suddenly we could, we could get movies right in our home. We could just click a button and pay like 14 different companies and remember all how to do all of that. And then you could watch whatever you want. Reality has changed, right? For some of our young people, they don't know what this card is. 
Reality has changed. This is what Paul is reminding these Galatians. Hey, you don't have to go back to the way that things were that said who was in and who was out based on these cultural markers. No, you don't need the membership card. Jesus has set you free. It's not about what you can do or how you look or any of those things. No. Galatians is important for us to read today because we too can can have a hard time believing that really faith in Christ is enough. We can have a hard time shedding our desire to just want to stick with people who are like us and make us feel comfortable, to, to shed our desire to be accepted and not stir up anything, to not have anyone think less of us. We have a hard time shedding this thing within us that says our value is based on what other people say about us when our value comes from Christ. We too, like the church in Galatia, can find ourselves excluding people Christ has welcomed, locking ourselves then in a prison of judgmentalism and fear and missing the very Spirit of God at work in the children of God who otherwise would have been ignored. Paul wants these people to know that reality has changed. The new kingdom has already broken in. The Messiah who seemed to be defeated by a Roman cross is alive. Rome can't stop him. Sin can't stop him. Boundaries can't stop him. And we are now united in this new reality. He would say later in Galatians, we'll get there, there's no longer Jew or Greek, no ethnic boundary. No longer slave, nor free, no economic boundary, no longer male, nor female, no boundaries based on sexuality. All are welcome. All are invited, all are one in Christ. So this effort by these other teachers to discredit Paul and demand some kind of cultural uniformity is anathema to Paul, he says, a curse. They say you must follow Jesus and dress the part, get the surgery, earn God's love and adoption. Plus, in the Roman world, the people of Jewish faith at this time had this special exemption from Roman law Everyone had to worship Caesar. That was the law. You could worship whoever you wanted as long as you also worshiped Caesar. But the Jewish people had an exemption. They didn't have to pray to Caesar. They could pray for Caesar. And this was a great exemption for them. But these new Christians also refused to pay, pray to Caesar. And while they have some things in common... They now have these whole new group of Gentiles joining into the family and they're not behaving the way that we've all agreed that we would behave and that might lead to some trouble. It could jeopardize this exemption. You can follow Jesus, these teachers are saying, but please just don't mess with Rome. <laughs> don't eat with those people. Don't get attention on yourself got to look like our expectations or else. Make sure you have your blockbuster card. Reality has changed. 
Don't keep quiet. Stress out, Rome. Make the empire angry at you. Don't worry about stressing out your Facebook friends or that Thanksgiving conversation. Reality has changed. We can forget that reality has changed. So Paul writes, he's frustrated. I'm astounded, he says in Galatians 6, 1, 6 through 7. I'm astonished that you so quickly are deserting the one who called you in the grace of Jesus and you turn to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you. I want you to imagine with me that it's the 1960s and you've been hired for a job. You've been tasked to go down into the south and build a community center. And the vision of this center is that it'll be a place where there is no room for racial prejudice. So you build it with no divisions, big rooms, bathrooms, tables, water fountains for everybody. Everybody can use it. You hire a diverse staff reflective of the community that you're in. It's working, it's thriving, it's beautiful. A vision for what can be a glimpse of a new reality. And then you leave to the next project. Only to come back and see that somebody has come in and uh, changed it all back. Separate tables, separate water fountains, separate bathrooms for people of color. They downsize the staff and well, huh, all the people that aren't in the prominent group get the ax. Someone came behind you and changed the foundation of the project. They said you didn't have authority anyway. <laughs> they undid the work that you did. You would be mad, right? <laughs> this is what we find with Paul. This is what he must have felt when he came and heard about these churches he had helped launch in Galatia. He had given them this message of Jesus' radical love and open table, and it's been undone. Paul's accusers say he's just trying to fit in with that Gentile culture. He doesn't want to stress anybody out. He's giving in to the world. Paul says this in Galatians 1, 10 through 12. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul's going to be in prison like a lot. <laughs> And yet he's dismissed, dismissed for being too inclusive, dismissed, called a people pleaser. Last year, uh, we as a church adopted a statement of non-discrimination. You wrestled with scripture and voices and experts and made a decision. It was beautiful. And I was carving a conversation with someone about that. And they said to me, well, I know that you did it for the money. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that check. I don't know. I'm not sure where that is. Christ has done something new. And invited us into a family that is astounding. And I think it crystallizes so well in this illustration that Paul makes in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when, when 
Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch. So Peter, the apostle, comes to the Gentile city, Antioch. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until a certain people came from James, that is, these who would teach that you must adopt all of these Jewish cultural identity markers. Before that happened, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came back, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined in in his this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not a Jew, and Peter's not uh, keeping all of these marker rituals himself, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? To Peter, had disregarded these cultural markers, was living into this new reality, and then some pressure came. And all of a sudden, it became like the middle school lunchroom. I don't know. I don't know who they are. Right? I don't want you to see me with them. Um, and I love that Paul just calls them out. Because <laughs> there's no room for that. Not in this kingdom. It's not your table, Peter. From here, Paul will get very technical and dense, as he does. Uh, a trick for reading Paul is that he tends to summarize his big, long arguments in a sentence or two at the end of the paragraphs. So that's helpful. And he does it in 2, 19 and 20, when he says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the summary. Paul is saying, when we follow Jesus, what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. Can you believe it? When someone follows Jesus, what is true of Jesus becomes true of them. Do you hear it? I don't know what you may think about yourself, that you're not loved. You're loved like Jesus. That you're not welcome. You're as welcome as the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. That you're useless. You're useful enough to reflect God to the whole world. That you're without hope or a future. You are able to walk through death and come out alive. You are able to hope. Welcome to the table. Welcome to the family. Rachel Held Evans said this, this is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Is she describing our picnic? Perhaps. Not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry and because they said yes, and there's always room for more. We're going to celebrate communion together in a few moments, and we do so with an open table. Because this is not our church's table, this is the Lord's table and is open to all who say yes. And when someone says yes to Jesus, Jesus' very membership into the family of God becomes theirs. They get Jesus as blockbuster card. The table is open. 
you know, when I was planning to preach, I, I, I really wanted to deal on the culture behind Galatians, and I wanted to deal with Paul's theological claims. But I didn't want to talk so much about Peter's hypocrisy. If you'll look in the bulletin, that text wasn't even there. I broke the rules. But I think we need to listen to this critique of Paul. To think about our faith. And think if we ever are tempted to be like Peter, to shy away from what Jesus has said about us and what Jesus has said about others. For those of us who are able to kind of hide, slide between groups and avoid conflict, I think there's something in Galatians for us. There's something in Paul's call when he stands up and calls Peter out that we have a role to play, to speak up, to use our voice, to pay attention, to open the table. Because we've been set free. We are not living in a new reality where shame and bullies and fear cannot win. Not death, not sickness, not political power, none of that wins. No. The king's already on the throne. And we are marked by the Spirit of God. So be free. As we engage with the book of Galatians, this uh, series, I want to challenge you this month, the month of June, to read it. To read the book of Galatians. It's only uh, six chapters. So that's pretty simple. If you don't think that's a big enough challenge to just read Galatians throughout this month, I'm going to challenge you to read it four times, six chapters, so you could read it. You could read it once a week, and if you do, uh, pick a different translation of the Bible. That makes it fun. It'll come alive to you. Uh, I've given you some options, right? Do the NRSV. That's the one in your pew. Do the Message, Eugene Peterson's translations. It'll come alive in new ways. Do the NIV, and then week four is Reader's Choice. That's not an actual translation. You just pick one and have fun. Um, Find one that you like and try it out. Read Galatians four times. Think about this context and culture behind it and what it might mean to your faith today. I'll invite the deacons to come forward. And will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you do not define who we are or if we are welcome to the family by if we keep certain rituals, if we come from the right place, have the right amount in our bank account, have the appropriate titles on our names. You do not welcome us to the family if we have all the right beliefs on our websites. We are welcome to the family because of who you are because you have come to us. And so, Lord, may we be people who simply say yes. I know we are hungry. May we be people who say yes. And may our yes inform how we live our lives. May your spirit that marks us empower us to do your work in the world whatever it looks like for each of us. Reveal it to us as we study your word. 
We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.